Well, good morning. Good morning, Hillcrest Covenant Church. I'm Pastor Brad Bergfalk. I am the interim pastor here and on the staff at uh, uh, Hillcrest Covenant Church here in Prairie Village, Kansas. About six months ago, I had no idea that I would uh, call my home Prairie Village, and here it is. Prairie Village is where I live. Um, I I was just reflecting for a moment as we were uh, listening to Nate's report of what happened here yesterday. I came down and and I was greeting people as you drove by. Some of you said to me, hey, good to see you, Pastor. We see you on every Sunday on TV. And uh, it was was fun from a distance to be able to uh, greet many of you. But think about this. Because of your generosity, 350 bags of grocery, groceries, 7,000 meals, five tons of food at a value of $14,000. We did that yesterday in three hours, thanks to you. Hillcrest Church, we are in an um, unusual time. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I'm at a loss for words of how to describe this time that we find ourselves in. And this week, uh, among many of the weeks that I've lived in my life, which has been quite a few, has been probably one of the most dramatic weeks that I've ever experienced. And I, uh, you know, from, from the, uh, the, the is it, was it the Falcon that went, uh, the rocket that went up yesterday, all the violence in various cities, I'm at a loss for words. And one of the things I do know, and I hope that you hear today, through uh, my reflection on the scripture in a moment and what we've already been doing together, which is worshiping, I hope you understand that when all of the anchors have come undone, when all of the things that we used to think were secure are no longer, there is yet one place where we can find our security, and that's in in the heart of God. And uh, so I hope that you hear that today as we reflect on the text in a moment. If you have a Bible and would like to read along, you can. If you have a digital device or some other way that you read your Bible, that's okay too. But I'm going to uh, read for you from Luke chapter 4, verse 3 through 12. And this is uh, a, a passage of Scripture where Jesus has been led out into the wilderness where uh, after he's already been there for 40 days fasting and he was led there by the Holy Spirit, and, and that's appropriate because we find ourselves today uh, celebrating Pentecost, which is when the Spirit comes into the church and gives us power and uh, direction. So Jesus, uh, at Luke 4, verse 3, uh, meets somebody, and this is what happens. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written... Man shall not live on bread alone. I'm losing my scripture text here, sorry. I may have to go to a regular scripture. Can, can you find me that, Daniel? Okay, thank you. It always pays to have an old-fashioned way of encountering God. Luke chapter 4. Okay, here we go. Let's see if this goes. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. 
Jesus answered him, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it, it is said, do not put the Lord God to the test. One of the most difficult aspects for me of, uh, of this idea that we've been looking at the last few years of living an unhurried life is what we're talking about today. The temptation to perform. Or another way to say it is the temptation to be in control. What I mean by this is that those who follow Jesus must constantly live in this tension of trusting God, which is the act of uh, releasing control, and trusting ourselves, which is essentially doing everything that we can to control our environment and our circumstances. When we manage our lives to the point that there's no room for God to show up, even if we wanted him to, we're not exhibiting any trust in God whatsoever. When we take control, we are succumbing to the, tension, the, the, the temptation to perform, to, to look good, to appear as if we have our life all together, and we want everybody around us to know that. When we release control, we are allowing God to manage our lives, and, and in the process, we discover how to live what I've been calling these last few weeks the unhurried life. You know, it doesn't really matter what one is taking control of. Maybe your particular issue is your household finances or your retirement portfolio. Perhaps your issue of control resolves around uh, needing to always have your schedule pinned down to the minute. Or, or maybe your issue of control involves how you interact with your friends or colleagues or how you plan your day or, or, or the next vacation that you plan to go on. For some of you, your issue of control may be resisting the new normal our present circumstances have thrust upon us. Whatever the issue may be for you, if we desire to practice this unhurried life that I've been talking about the last few weeks, then it will become necessary for us to identify some of the control centers in our lives and release them so that we can make space for God. Space for God to have greater access to our lives. The scripture that was read a moment ago is about this very challenge and how Jesus responds to the temptation to perform and how he responds can give us a clue how we can do the same. So the first temptation that we see Jesus facing in the temptation to take what he needs, it's the temptation to take what he needs. The tempter puts it like this, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, it can be noted here that the tempter, the devil, comes along and he tempts Jesus when he has already been engaged in the spiritual practice of fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. And the first area that the tempter sees an opportunity to test Jesus' resolve is where Jesus happens to be the weakest. 
The tempter says to Jesus, you know, 40 days without a meal is a long time. I, I bet you're kind of hungry. You know, you can take care of that right now by turning these, these stones into bread. Jesus, of course, responds to this temptation by quoting scripture, which is not a bad way, by the way, to respond to any temptation, to, to use the scripture to remind God and ourselves who we are. And the nature of this temptation for Jesus, of course, is to trust his own ability to provide for his own basic provisions rather than trusting God to provide the provisions that he needs at the time that he needs them. This is also true for the people of God as they wandered in the wilderness. And they faced a similar temptation. God provided them, if you remember the story, with manna on a daily basis. And when some of them decided that they wanted to take a little more manna so that they wouldn't have to collect it daily, the manna that they took and stored, it rotted before they could eat it. You see, when we are tempted to take what we need rather than entrust our needs to God, we face the same temptation that Jesus and the people of God faced. The only difference is, is that we're so used to providing for ourselves, we've created these nifty little aphorisms like, God helps those who help themselves, which, by the way, is not found in the Bible, if any of you were wondering. That is not a biblical text. I think, I think that came from Ben Franklin, if I'm not mistaken. God helps those who help themselves. We often say these things in order to justify our lack of trust in God. To trust God ultimately requires us to give over our need to provide for ourselves and to lean into a life of trust, of letting God have control. Now, if you're sitting there in your living room or dining room or wherever you happen to be this morning and you are thinking to yourself, I'm going, to give you a, I'm going to give you a caveat so that you can feel better about the places that you already control your life. I'm not going to do that. Because I think at the core, this issue of control is an issue of discipleship, and it's an issue that all of us have to face, uh, honestly, at some point or another. The temptation to take what we need is real. And for those of us who are courageous, when we begin to release the control centers of our life over to a faithful God, it's absolutely amazing how God provides for our every need. As most of you know, my wife and I, Roxy, we uh, are in a season of our life where I'm a pastor, but I'm a particular kind of pastor. I'm what's called an interim pastor, so I come to churches that are between pastors, and I, I uh, move into the neighborhood, if you will, and, and I serve for a period of time. And uh, in every case, we don't know in advance where we're going, and we don't bring all of our stuff with us. We pack up the back of our Honda CRV with as many things as we think we need. Sometimes it's often more than we need, and we head to the place that God is calling us next. And so here we are um, in uh, Overland Park, Kansas. Roxy was not with me initially, and I'm going out trying to figure out what's going to be the, the, the apartment we're going to live in. And uh, thankfully, the church has a, has a house that we were able to stay in, or I was able to stay in, for the first uh, few weeks that we were here. But uh, the missionaries were coming back, and so we had to move out. And we, I had located an apartment up in old Overland Park. And um, we went up there, and they said, it's not going to be available to you until uh, July. 
And uh, Roxanne and I kind of looked at each other and said, well, what, what do we do now? And almost the same day, it might not have been the same day, it might have been the day after, we received an email from somebody in this church whom we've never met, and we have not met her in person to this day, who said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm out of town for a number of months, I'm not living in my house, do you think that you would like to live in my house? And, and that's kind of how it works. That's how it's happened to us. Now, I, I, I would be lying to you if I said that when we find ourselves in that moment where we have to choose to either trust God or control things for ourselves, um, that it's easy. It's never easy. But, I, but, but this personal experience that I've just shared to you now is what I'm trying to suggest about what happens when we release um, the control that we need to have in our lives to God. God never lets us down. So the, the tempter, the devil, moves on from the temptation to take what we need to the temptation to take charge. He says, Jesus, you have come to announce the kingdom of God, and I have the ability to make all the kingdoms of the world yours right now. You don't need to wait. Implied in this is you don't need to suffer, Jesus. You don't need to worry. Just, just say the word, and it'll all be yours. And Jesus responds, of course, in his very typical fashion, I worship and serve God alone, and God will re reveal his purposes and give me authority in God's time and not my time. I like what Alan Fadling says. He says, the strategy is simple. The evil one tempts us to hurry ahead of God and his timetable for giving authority and bestowing honor. We want power and influence. We, we want to shine. We want to be lifted up in the eyes of others. We want to be noticed. All of, this come, all of these things come as grace gifts from the Father, not as prizes to be earned. You see, the temptation to take charge, seize power, rather than waiting for God to provide it, is a challenge that we all must face. And the way that we face this temptation is by keeping our focus on God, trusting God with the details of our lives, and in due time, God will provide all of the authority that we need to do whatever it is that we need to do. Now, for the high achievers watching this sermon this morning, this is a particularly challenging temptation. If something is broken, the high achievers among us say, we can fix it. If there's a problem that needs to be solved, we say, we can solve it. If there is a relationship that is strained, we say, well, we can take care of that too, but we're just going to put that off for a while. Because oftentimes for high achievers, dealing with the relational issues are often the ones that we wait till, till the end to work with, right? High achievers, they succeed in life in part because they don't leave anything to chance and they certainly don't plan to leave, uh, to, to, to leave anything undone. And maybe the temptation to take charge is a temptation that you face. And if you are one of those people, I want to encourage you to, as you wrestle with the meaning of this text this week, to think about ways in which you can release the, the temptation to take charge and allow God to take charge in your life. Uh, the temptation to take charge may not be your temptation. Your temptation, perhaps, is you're happy, you're content to allow other people to take charge, take over. Perhaps you're happy to let the type A personalities burn the candle at both ends. 
while you watch and wait for them to eventually crash and burn. And then you can sit back and say, um, see, I, I, I told you so. I told you that would happen. In the end, trusting God and allowing God to take charge of our lives rather than, than grabbing for authority ourselves is another characteristic of the unhurried life. The last temptation that Jesus faces is the temptation to prove that God cares for him. The, the tempter, the devil, takes Jesus to the highest point in Jerusalem, and he says to Jesus, if you throw yourself down from this pinnacle, the angels of God will keep you from even stubbing your toe on a stone. And Jesus responds in the same fashion as he did in the last two temptations by quoting scripture and saying, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, the, the, the question that the tempter is really putting to Jesus is, does God really care about you? Jesus is being tempted to call into question his identity as the son of God. And ironically, he's being tempted to leap from the pinnacle of the temple, the very place where the Jewish culture believed God dwells. I mean, how brazen is that of the, of the tempter? Just like Jesus, we are tempted to, to wonder about our identity sometimes, wonder about whether God really actually cares for us. Sure, we, we read the scriptures and we understand intellectually that God does care just like he cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. But there are times when we wonder. There are times when our prayers are, are not being answered the way we expect, when our prayers are not being answered at all sometimes. There are times when we wonder, if God really cared, why doesn't God do something about, and then you fill in the blank, right? You see, it's hard to trust God when we have to wait so long for something to become a reality. It's hard to trust God when God fails to meet our timeline or, or our expectation. It's hard to trust God when we know the others may be looking at our situation and wondering, why don't they do something rather than just sort of sit there? You see, the temptation to prove that God cares for us moves us from a place of waiting and trusting to a place of anxiety and wanting to take charge. The unhurried life is a life that understands that even though we may get anxious and, and wonder about whether God cares, and that happens to all of us, we also remember the times and the places where God did care. We make note of the times when God did intervene. We recall the expressions of God's care to us, even in the toughest moments, because sometimes that's all we have to hold on to. That, that's all we have to get us through this difficult moment. The temptation to perform all comes down to whether or not we are going to trust God with the control centers of our lives, our need to seek our own provision, our need to take charge, our need to prove that God cares for us? Or alternatively, are, are we going to take the risk to, to relinquish our lives to God and, and trust that God is faithful even into the smallest detail of our lives? If you are participating in worship this morning and you've never entrusted your life entirely to God, I invite you to do so right now. And it doesn't matter whether your kids are sitting there and, uh, or your spouse or whether you're by yourself. You can still do that. 
And there's no magic formula. There's no words you need to recite. There's only your heartfelt prayer releasing the control centers of your life to God and asking God to take charge little by little. If you're here this morning and you have relinquished your life to God in Jesus, but you struggle with giving over certain aspects of your life to God, perhaps a bad habit, maybe it's a secret sin, maybe some other control center that you've known about for a long time that God is asking you to release, to give over, then I encourage you to give over those areas of your life to God today. You see, the sooner that we, we understand the secret to an unhurried life is, is relinquishing the control centers of our lives to God, the sooner we will experience the joy and the confidence that accompanies a life that is no longer ours to live, and it never was, but it's God's life to live in and through us. As you are reflecting on today's worship this morning, I want to invite you, as I have uh, throughout this series of sermons, to consider the following questions. Maybe you want to talk about them with the people that are in the room with you now. We may talk about them a little bit in our follow-up Zoom call after this, but here's the first question. Why is it difficult for some people to relinquish the control of their lives to God? And, And the answer, of course, is not the same for everybody, but why is that so difficult? And then number two, which temptation do you resonate with most? To take what you need, to be in charge, or to prove God cares? Which of those is your particular thorn, if you will? And number three, what temptation keeps you from living an unhurried life? If you want to talk more about those questions with me, and I think I'm going to expand my conversation afterwards as well, to ask the question, um, how is God speaking into this, this moment that we find ourselves in? How, do, how does this scripture that I've just looked at with you this morning speak into the troubling and unsettled and disorienting times that we find ourselves in? And if that's a question that's on your mind, I, I invite you to join me uh, 15 minutes after the end of this service, which would be about maybe 11.5, 11.10, and we can talk about those things. Where do you need to relinquish a part of your life back to God? Uh, Let's pray together. God, speak through your Holy Spirit that you sent to empower your church, to encourage us into faithfulness and call us into mission and ministry. I pray that as we have the opportunity to uh, reflect on the nature of the temptations that Jesus faced and how he dealt with them, and even in light of that, our own temptations, that you would give us courage and maybe a little honesty to be able to face those temptations in ourselves. We look forward for the day, for the moment, when we can see those temptations having less of a grip on our lives and um, our ability to relinquish all of those things into your hands. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.